Here is an excerpt from the audiobook version of Fauci, the Bernie Madoff of Science and the HIV Ponzi scheme that concealed the chronic fatigue syndrome epidemic. You can listen to the entire audiobook on Spotify if you have a premium subscription. Just click the link below. Starting in the mid-1980s, an organization called the American Foundation for AIDS Research played a multifaceted role of raising money for HIV research and enlisting celebrities in a glamorous and ultimately shameful HIV propaganda campaign that made the putatively private organization essentially a de facto arm of the government's HIV-AIDS establishment. If one considers the HIV theory of AIDS a Potemkin biomedical village that gays were forced to live in, then the American Foundation for AIDS Research is one of its leading real estate agents. John Lauritsen, in his book, The AIDS War, writes that the American Foundation for AIDS Research was founded as an alternative to the AIDS establishment, to provide funding for research that was not predicated on the AIDS virus hypothesis. It didn't last long. I am not aware that even a penny has ever been given to a researcher who publicly expressed doubts as to the etiological role of HIV or the benefits of the nucleoside analogs. In addition to becoming one of the leading private promoters of the government's HIV-AIDS paradigm propaganda, the American Foundation for AIDS Research played a disturbing role in squelching serious scientific criticism of the HIV hypothesis and in helping turn the entire field of AIDS into a world of heterosexist, totalitarian, and abnormal science. Lauritsen describes an historically important the American Foundation for AIDS Research moment in the AIDS disaster in his first book Poison by Prescription, a scientific forum on the etiology of AIDS, sponsored by the American Foundation for AIDS Research, was held on April 9, 1988 at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. In the words of the AMFAR fact sheet, the forum was convened to critically examine the evidence that human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, or other agents give rise to the disease complex known as AIDS. According to Lauritsen, it was supposedly an opportunity for Peter Duisberg, the University of California at Berkeley retrovirologist who first challenged the HIV theory of AIDS to confront members of the AIDS establishment over their hypothesis. He reports, however, that despite these praiseworthy intentions, the forum appears to have had a hidden agenda to discredit Duisburg. Lauritsen characterized the forum as a kangaroo court. The forum would make a great scene in a play about the nasty, zany world of AIDS and HIV pseudoscience. It was anything but an honest, open collegial discussion about the nature of AIDS. Scientific philosopher Thomas Kuhn would roll over in his grave if anyone called it genuinely scientific. By Kuhn's standards, some of the leading voices at the forum may have even demonstrated that they should not even have been considered real scientists. Politicians, yes, scientists not so much. Even the HIV theory's acolyte, Michael Spector, the reporter from the Washington Post, and future New Yorker writer, who was among the 17 journalists at the forum, saw through the charade, noting that the meeting was billed as a scientific forum on the cause of AIDS, but was really an attempt to put Duisburg's theories to rest. It was more like they wanted to put Duisburg himself permanently to rest. The meeting had the tone and style that was endemic to HIV-AIDS research and characteristic of abnormal and totalitarian science. Lauritsen reported that, while no blows were struck, some of the HIV protagonists fell below the standards of civility that are expected in scholarly debate. At all times, Duisburg retained good manners and a sense of humor, in the face of invective, insults, and clowning from his opponents. 
One of the signs that AIDS in general was being conducted in the opposite world of what could be called abnormal, totalitarian science was the uncanny willingness of the scientists to abandon the traditional rules of evidence known as Koch's postulates. Instead, AIDS researchers, including the ones at the American Foundation for AIDS Research Forum, were willing to revise Koch's in a more permissive direction, it would no longer be necessary to find the microbe in all cases of the disease. Mere correlations between microbial antibodies and the progression of the disease would be sufficient. HIV could be proved epidemiologically to be the cause of AIDS. Given the unrecognized sexual politics of the science that was operative among this crowd, they were basically saying, without realizing it, that causation could be established homodemiologically. The presumptions of heterosexist and political epidemiology would trump the traditional rules of evidence. And those rules could basically be summed up as heads I win and tails you lose. You basically being gays and eventually blacks. Lauritsen caught the powerful HIV advocates in the act of doublespeak that is common to abnormal, totalitarian science. Actually, the HIV advocates talked out of both sides of their mouths with regard to Koch's postulates. On the one hand, they disparaged them as in need of modification, read abandonment. On the other hand, they were doing their best to come up with data that would satisfy at least the first postulate. Duisburg's opponents at the forum included a living, breathing example of scientific conflict of interest, William Hasseltine, a scientist who was in the process of making a lot of money from HIV testing, and Anthony Fauci, the empire-building director of NIAID. At the American Foundation for AIDS Research Forum, Fauci and others played a curious unfair game with Duisburg. Hypocritically they accused Duisburg of citing research that was out of date even though it was basically the same research quoted at that time by the AIDS establishment. On the other hand, when Duisburg would ask Fauci and others for actual references to support their statements at the American Foundation for AIDS Research Forum, he was rudely rebuffed, and according to Lauritsen, they tried to shore up their viewpoint about HIV with unpublished data, or their own private facts. Private facts, not on the public record, are another sure sign that AIDS was a manifestation of the opposite world of abnormal, totalitarian, and sociopathic science. Unfortunately, their private facts about AIDS were also connected to each other, by a private scientific logic. The 800-pound gorilla at the American Foundation for AIDS Research Forum was the fact that evidence of HIV could not be found in all AIDS patients, which should have been strong damning even, evidence that HIV couldn't possibly be the cause of AIDS, that is, if Kuhnian normal science was being practiced. As scientist Marcel Baluda pointed out at the meeting, sometimes even a single exception is sufficient to disprove a theory. This is the crux of the matter. The virus cannot be found in all cases of AIDS. One could say that still believing that HIV is the cause of AIDS in the face of evidence that it could not be found in all patients is exhibit A that delusion and denial were running the show. Fauci's answer belongs in a beginner's textbook on the card tricks of abnormal science. Fauci responded to Baluda by saying that a good lab was able to isolate the virus in 90 to 100 percent of the cases, that there was no question about it. Fauci did not provide a reference to published data, nor did he indicate what the good labs were or how exactly they differed from the not-so-good labs. References belong to the abandoned Kuhnian world of normal science. Duisburg made a number of arguments, based on his years as one of the celebrated deans of retroviral research, about why HIV could not possibly be the cause of AIDS. 
Lauritsen wrote that Fauci's presentation, while aspiring to be a point-by-point -point rebuttal to Duisburg, consisted mainly of disconnected assertions, delivered in a tone of petulant indignation. Epidemiological studies conducted in San Francisco and unpublished laboratory reports seemed to be the basis of most of his statements. So far as I could tell, he understood none of Duisburg's arguments. The role of the AIDS politics of epidemiology in AIDS research showed itself dramatically at the forum. According to Lauritsen, in the question period, Baluda asked if the evidence were sufficient that HIV is necessary for the development of AIDS. Fauci replied that he hoped the epidemiologists would answer that question. Given the political and heterosexist nature of AIDS epidemiology, one could guess how that was going to turn out. We hope you enjoyed this excerpt and will listen to the entire book on Spotify for free if you have a subscription. Just click the link below.